0: We need to be seeing Jesus more clearly, amen. amen. The more clearly we can see these spiritual realities that we forget about, or sometimes we're out of touch with. Man, we need to be seeing these things. It's kind of tough to see that last week if you're out with us. There we're out at the camping trip, so there's squirrels running by and dogs and babies and distractions. So I re-recorded that sermon if you want to hear the crisp, clean audio on our podcast. But a little bit of review, we were talking about here in Ephesians chapter 1, 4 through 4-6, and we're going over these same verses today, we're answering the question, why did God choose you? Why did God choose us of all people? And we really answered that, if you were to give a one-sentence answer in verse 6, well, to the praise of his glorious grace, that's why God choose you, not because you're talented, Not because of anything within ourselves, but because we're in Christ Jesus and he wants us to be on his team. And that's an amazing feeling that God chooses us to the praise of his glorious grace. Mm -hmm. Satan wants to get in there and he wants to tell us, no, he he chose you because of your talent, right? Mm -hmm. And then we begin to boast in ourselves, hey, he chose me because actually I don't even really need God and I can fulfill these commands.
1: And that causes
0: so much damage for the kingdom of God. And then something else causes a lot of damage. When we're not confident in ourselves, sometimes we can feel low and weak and discouraged. Or we can look at the commands of God and say, well, I'm not very good at that, so maybe I shouldn't try to fulfill that. And that's the other way Satan gets into damage. Well, if I'm just not good at these things, then maybe I don't have to do those parts. Both are equally damaging, trying to do it on your own strength or not believing in yourself and really not believing in your God, that he can work through you and through your weaknesses. And that's what we want to do more of, not believe in ourselves, but believe in our God for praising his glorious grace. Now today, really focusing in on verse 4, I'm going to read this whole section right here. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 says this, and I encourage you to pull up your Bible Hub app, look at different translations, because that'll bring out even more. But it says this in the ESV, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Wow. Paul's writing about a lot of glory right here. Remember, he's writing it from prison. So he's encouraging us that we are blessed, that we can praise God and we can give him praise and glory, even if we're in a similar circumstance, like being imprisoned. <laughs> not about our circumstances, we take on this blessing and joy, it's about we have a holy God who chose us, believes in us. We have these spiritual realities that transcend our circumstances.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, really, today, the more I thought about this, we're talking about what it means to be in love, according to the Bible. I want to paint a picture there of really a, a love story bring together this picture, build around this passage of holy and blameless in love before him. And so we're going to talk about the linguistics for like just a second, but we're really not here to talk about linguistics today and how you fit this verse together. Roy's like, okay, good. (laughs) We're talking about a love story. We're talking about something God has been preparing through all of eternity. We're talking about a relationship. That's where we want to anchor our hearts in today. A love story. Some of us, we hear songs, right? Like the Beatles, all you need is love. Okay, (laughs) we can kind of work with that. But what does the Bible say when it says, hey, holy and blameless? (laughs) Do we also need that? Let's get into it. First with this holy and blameless before him. Well, before who? God the Father chose us, in Him, Jesus Christ. Before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and blameless before Him. We're talking about this at a midweek a few weeks ago. Jesse said, hey, that's Jesus. And I was like, no, that's God. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing. A majority of commentators, I found, they would assume right there in verse four that that's speaking about God the Father. Is it the him or the he in that sentence? Well, it's God the Father they connect it with. But actually, I think Jesse has a lot of merit in thinking, what if that's just talking about Jesus? And here's a great example today where don't just, when you have a question about a verse, don't just jump to the commentary. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But really cross-reference, view it in context. If you do jump to the commentary, why does the commentator claim that? What's the evidence backing it up? And today I think we can see something beautiful that there can be a both and. Two things can be theologically true in this sentence. So before him, I'm talking about that because that's how we begin to paint this love story. Is it that we're presented to himself or to Christ or to both? Well, immediate context Ephesians chapter five, twenty-five through 27. And you'll see the similar language come up right here. Paul says this, Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Same Greek word, holy and blameless before him. That's a beautiful picture. So there, wow, and you get that beautiful word sanctify or sanctification, that's that's the sainthood we're talking about of becoming like Christ. It's beautiful, Paul addresses this to the saints already and not yet, becoming these saints in Christ the Lord. So here, hey, this, this points to Christ, loving the church, giving himself up for us. That's us, the bride of Christ. So it, it would seem he's talking about this presenting to himself, right? This picture of marriage to himself. A couple of other references. We, we just keep building this picture of a marriage. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 says this, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Holy and blameless, pure, hey, Paul's like a, a matchmaker right here, <laughs> presenting us to Christ. There's the presentation. We have another reference, Matthew 22, 2. Is looking forward. The kingdom of heaven may be compared To a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Man, God's preparing this feast for his son, this wedding feast, arranging this marriage. He needs someone to present to him. He's working on this. Two more references John chapter 3, 28 through 29 says, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, this is John the Baptist speaking, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride, or us, is the bridegroom, Jesus. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly in the bridegroom's voice, therefore the joy of mine is now complete." So here, John the Baptist. He's like he's just he's beginning to have this picture, and says his joy is complete. If anything, he's like the best man. He's the friend. He's bringing people out to Jesus. He's preparing the way for all of this to take place. And of course, what did take place is Christ dying for us, so that we can have reconciliation, so that we can have sanctification be brought before him. And that's born out of love, and that's love story right there. And something to rejoice in, it says in Revelation 19, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. If it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints, holy and blameless is presentation, pure, fine linen, fine linen, the righteous deeds of the saints, holy and blameless bride, us the church has made herself ready, presentable. One more, and this is important because this speaks of the opposite of love where we were at before we started this story with God. And here, so everything painting this picture so far, it's painting the picture that we're presented to Christ, right? The church, his bride. This wedding feast is being arranged. But here, hey, it's it's God and Jesus. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus Christ, all the fullness is in him of God. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once, you were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So Revelation said, yeah, we've made ourselves ready, but also, man, it's the blood of the cross. Without that, you can't be holy and blameless before him. Sure. And this is that, hey, God sent his son in order to reconcile himself to us for that presentation. So answering the in him, it's a both hands. We're before God, but hey, also in this marriage, the bride and the bridegroom, we're before Jesus. Holy and blameless. That's a beautiful picture. Before that picture takes place, though, hostiles, enmity towards God, enemies of him in our minds. Before we're in a relationship with him. That's important because as we jump back into Ephesians chapter 1, doesn't speak of this enmity, doesn't speak of this hostility or this hatred, it speaks of being in love. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to be, amen? Mm -hmm. All right, if you're all still with me, back into Ephesians, that's enough Mm cross-references. But all of them, it's so important for interpreting the verse, all of those reference this presentation and this being holy and blameless. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So that's how you can discover what's meant within the verse, God reconciling to Himself all things. It's creating a family. And two things at once, because you see in verse 5, right? It predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons. So, man, God is looking for children, adoption as sons. He's also looking for a bride for his son, Jesus Christ. Both things true at the same time. God has been working through eternity to prepare a family. Both bride and children.
1: Mm.
0: I think that's awesome. As much as it's talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, every verse is talking about us. Being in him. God working to create this family. The goal of the universe and for all of eternity and by God's will, he purposed and chose us for this. To be in this family, in love, holy and blameless. Mm -hmm. Briefly, just talk about holy and blameless, what do those words mean? But a main point today of talking about what does it mean to be in love? Well, you can't leave out the holy and blameless. God's preparing a bride A loving bride, yes, but also one who is holy and blameless. Holy, set apart. You're a saint. So set apart that if you're in the first century, you're set apart to the point where to witness about Jesus Christ was to declare, I'm willing to be a martyr. And many who did declare that, it did lead to martyrdom. That's how set apart they were from the world. Blameless, It might be a better translation as it is in Ephesians 5. Without blemish. Kind of speaking a little more to the outside. So within and without. Holy and blameless. On the inside and the outside. Man, that's walking in the light with God. In a relationship with God. In fellowship with him. In communion with him holy and blameless in love with him. Amen? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Walking according to that. What's so important is, when I read this, my first instinct is, well, how can I do a bunch of things to be more holy and be more blameless? But then I crash and burn. Rather, it's so much better to realize that we're in Christ and to embrace a holy God. And because of who we are in him, man, we're going to do things according to that, according to our identity in Christ, according to what he's done for us, because of who we are. So don't create a long to-do list of holy and blameless, but realize, man, this is who God chose me to be before you jump into that to-do list. Because we have a holy God, we're compelled to do holy things. Because of who we are in Christ, we want to walk according to that. Embrace this holy God. So in love. Isn't this great that it's like a period in love and then verse 5? Doesn't that look kind of funny? And that's because we've been talking about these first 14 verses. It's one long run-on sentence. A phrase after phrase. So centuries ago, they put in the verses, right? Hey, verse four is going to start here, and verse five is going to start here because it's beginning a new thought. But you look at the translations, and different translations, they move the grammar around a little bit. So after they put in the verses, they said, well, you know, we shouldn't put the period right before the he. We should put the period before in love. What difference does it make? Both are true, not a big difference. (laughs) We want to just talk about being in love today, not get bogged down in the grammar. But the question becomes, is it in love he predestined us? Or is it pointing to before, in love he chose us to be holy and blameless before him? Both are theologically true, so not a big difference either way. If you were to look through the grammar... The phrases that modify the verbs, they always come after the verb, right? He's blessed us in Christ. Let's look at another one, verse five. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And you look at the eight verbs there, the phrases always come after. So there's a huge clue that these modifying prepositional phrases are pointing to the previous verbs. that gets some people saying in love is talking about God choosing us in verse 4. But linguistically, you can't really decide that either way, so we got to talk about it theologically. What does it mean to be in love? This is agape love, the heart and character of God. Being in love. Is it that we're adopted in love? chosen in love, or third option is talking about us and our love, holy and blameless before him in love. So is it God's love or our love or both and? The Amplified Translation, I want to read because it changes it up, reads this way for verse 4. Just as in his love he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own, before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy, that is consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven and blameless in his sight in love. So the Amplified pushes it to, it's talking about the choosing. The Christian Standard Bible says, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. So the Christian Standard Bible says, it's talking about our love, <laughs> Before him, two totally different thoughts and two great translations. Let's talk about that third option. And again, where else does the Bible talk about being holy and blameless in love? Two references, 1st and 1st Thessalonians. This is painting that picture of what it means to be in love. It says this, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints." I love this verse because as much as it talks about being holy and blameless, it talks about being in love and it says, hey, may your love increase and grow. And That's what gives me so much faith when we're discouraged, when we're in a low point. It's not, come on, bro, be more holy, be more blameless. Come on, sis. It's no. Your love and your faith can grow. Just as it does between us our love and faith towards one another. Our love can grow towards God. Our appreciation, our gratitude, our faith, our love can grow. And because of that, our holiness and blamelessness can grow. I think that the essence of holiness and blamelessness is love. It's rooted here, Paul writing to church in Thessalonica's the origin of being holy and blameless, right? Look at it one more time. That your love may increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that or because then God can establish your hearts blameless and holy before him. It's hard to be holy and blameless if you don't have love or if you're hyper-focused on being holy and blameless without love. It's going to crumble. Man, it's tough for God to establish and work with our hearts. If we're rigid and mechanical and just trying to be holy. Right? Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the greatest commandment. When we look at being holy and blameless, how could we do that without love as the origin here? Over in Philippians 1, 9 through 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul's praying, man, your love needs to increase so that you can be holy and blameless. It's the essence of being holy and blameless. So we can't hyper-focus on either one. There's some who say all you need is love, but you got to say, hey, well, yeah, but Paul says that that leads to being holy and blameless. Is that a part of your love? And there's some who might say, hey, it's just about being holy and following the rules. Well, how can you do that without love? We shouldn't hyper-focus on either one. Amen? It's the essence. If we're going to be this bride of Christ, it's good to be a bride who's in love, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think we'd all be laughing nervously in a wedding if we showed up and right. If, if the bride and the groom were like arguing five minutes before the wedding, I'd be like, "Oh man, I don't know if that's gonna work out." <laughs> Everyone's, we know what faces to give there. That's the essential mark: being the bride or being children of God. It's children who are in love with Him. Man, that's who he adopts. The essence of our holiness. Love grows, love abounds. That's what encourages me about being a saint. Man, if only our love could increase, as Paul writes, then it'd be a lot easier to be a saint. We go back to the heart of it. And yeah, our love for God, but also one another, holy and blameless before him in love. That's so important then to make sure that the love is not just describing God in love, predestining us and choosing us, though that's very true. God first loved us, right? Chose us, predestined us. But it should also describe us being in love with God. It's so important if we if we divorce that love from the holy and blameless, man, we've got to be super careful. I don't think we can do it without the love. Remember, Colossians 1 that we referenced, we were hostiles, enemies of God, enmity towards him. We did not like this guy. (laughs) That's where we started out, so man, we need to fall in love with him. Right? Many of us say, yeah, I believe in God or I love God, but... When we really get in the Bible and we define love as holy and blameless before Him, and when we look at, hey, before we begin following God and before we start a relationship, then we're these hostiles. It's so important to know what love means biblically, right? Not to just go with the I love ice cream, so I love God, American definition, So we don't want that mechanical conformity to holiness and blamelessness, but if it's our heart to love God, then man, that's, a Christian is somebody who loves holiness because they love a holy God. And they, because they want to be like Christ, they're going to strive for holiness, right? Because we love God and God is holy. We're gonna hunger and thirst for righteousness We're going to delight in the law of the Lord. There's going to be a joy with following him. For you today, do you enjoy your Christianity? Is it this love story? Or do you find sometimes that you have to drag yourself to it? Force yourself into it. White knuckle it. Yes, sometimes we have to deny yourself, but if you find yourself continually trying to deny yourself, not being in touch with hungering and thirsting for righteousness and delighting in the law of the Lord and being in love and holy and blameless before him, you can't deny yourself for very long. Do you enjoy your Christianity? Are you in love with it? Or, again, back to Colossians 1, do you wish you had never heard about this Christianity stuff? Do you wish you could go back to a worldly living so you could keep on sinning? Or do you wish you could be even more holy and even more like Christ, become even more like him because you're so in love with him? Which direction is our heart going towards? And which are we beholding more, Christ or the world? So that's what we're going to become more like. I want to be in love more with Christ than the world. Man, he's got a a real love to offer us in his arms. One that's lasting, not like the world's. Separating love and holiness is just as dangerous as separating sanctification and justification. Or, hey, I started to believe in God. I checked in, I did that appointment. And someday I'll become a saint and do that part of it too. We shouldn't separate those things. (laughs) Neither should we separate love and holiness. And that's mature spirituality, mature Christianity. It's love and measured by love. Our love for Christ and our Christ-centered actions in love for one another And that's what we're growing towards as we fall more in love with him. That's the mark of a saint or a mature saint. How much are they loving God and loving others? It's not about how much time you put in the church or how much time you've had in the kingdom. It's not about how much time you've read the word of God. Those things help. It's measured by love. You know, as much as... God's building that family. It makes me reflect on the family we're building right here. I got, we got our members, we got our audience, but most important person is Jesus. That's who I want to be holy and blameless and in love with and presented before. And I get so tempted sometimes with when some of the family isn't here or I put God on a time scale of how quickly the family should be growing, right? And God's been at this for like an eternity and I'm like, God! It's got to be this big this fast. I start to put more attention on myself and my own efforts or attention on others when my full attention should be on Jesus Christ, being in love with him. That's what's going to guard my heart. The
1: most.
0: That's the kind of family we want to build here. Madison and I, we were down visiting the Medford, Oregon church this past week. And they're so great, they, they've always been so great because they have so many young married couples that grew up in their campus ministry and then became singles and then started dating and got married and now they have all these little babies running around and it was so great to fellowship with them and Sertia had all these little babies to run around with. Man, that's that's what I want to build and Bend, Oregon. And honestly, that's part of what we had left in the Eugene, Oregon Church. Younger married couples. The Sweeney's left some younger married couples over there. There's younger married couples who chose to go on the mission field to Corvallis or to Salem or to Bent. And we had to sacrifice some of that family in order to build family in these other locations. Same for anyone here in the Bent Church. We all probably sacrificed family, bigger churches, bigger fellowship so that we could build a family right here. Last week in the heat wave, we're passing out popsicles, but it's more than just a popsicle. It's looking at people and imagining, man, maybe, maybe you'll become a disciple of Jesus and you'll reclaim your legacy for Jesus Christ and you'll break your family dysfunction, generational curses, and you'll transform not only your life, but the life of your family and your children. And man, maybe your future daughter is going to be my future daughter's and son's best friend. But it starts with passing out the popsicle. It starts with loving one another, believing one another, encouraging one another so that we can grow and mature in Christ and have the character that he's looking for, to be the people he wants us to be. As a family I want to build here but I got to remember as much as I'm trying to put in my own effort at times to build that family this is God's plan and purpose for eternity and God's doing more work on this than we ever could as we reach out to the future aunts and uncles of our kids in the next generation of the kingdom of God and God's been doing that for generations hasn't he That's what we wanna grow up into. That's what we wanna give our hearts to in the Lord. Surrender to him. As much as we plant seeds and water them, it's God who gives the increase and builds that family. It's our part as we look at God; so he's gonna build that. We can look at our character We can look at being holy and blameless in love before him. That's our story and that's the story that God is working on. Story of adoption, creating a new people for him. Story of finding a bride for his son. A new family called out and chosen by God to be holy and blameless, head over heels in love with him. Amen, church? And as verse 6 says, to God be the glory. Let's go to him in a word of prayer. So we take communion this morning. We consider how God's been building that family. Father God, Lord, we take this communion on on this Lord's day. To remember your body and your blood that was spilt. God, and your reconciliation and building a family. In preparing a holy and blameless bride. Something we could never do, God. And Lord, we just take this in gratitude and appreciation that you chose us. And have prepared us. And have sent your son to die for us. And buy his blood so that we could be without blemish. God, we also pray for this growing family. We want so many more to be in love with you because we love you, God. Because you love us, we want to love our neighbor. God, help us never to forget our motive for that as we take this communion. Help us never lose the appreciation of, Let's never lose that understanding of what it means to be in love with you and the reason of why you chose us. Yes, to be holy and blameless, but also to praise your glorious grace, God. Help us to do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.